Hello, welcome to Extra Virgin, a podcast for gourmands who love to travel and travellers who love good food. I'm your host, Natasha Mirosh, an insatiably curious food and travel writer who's toured and tasted her way around more than 60 countries. Join me now as I talk to the people who make travelling and eating such a delicious adventure. Hello and welcome, or perhaps I should say bonjour. If you're of a certain age like me, you might have read Peter Mail's A Year in Provence way back in the 90s and daydreamed about owning your own property in France. Today we're going to talk to somebody who's done just that. You might remember Susanna Clark from quite an early episode of Extra Virgin. I think it was episode 12, actually, in which we talk about her life in Morocco and her book, A House in Fez, in which she writes about the experience of restoring a traditional house in the Medina there. Well, Susanna is a bit of a global property owner, and she also has owned an apartment in Bordeaux for the past 14 years, as well as managing apartments for other property owners. Recently, she added to her own portfolio, buying a property with three houses in lot et garonne near the border of Dordogne and Gironde. I have no idea if I pronounced those correctly. We're going to talk to Susanna about the pleasures and pitfalls of property ownership in France and how you can make your own year in Provence dream come true. Welcome, Susanna. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Susanna, you split your time between Morocco and France and you're currently in France. It's morning there. You said you've just had your coffee. Tell us what you can see from where you are. I'm in a little cottage, a little stone cottage um, in the middle of the countryside in southwest France. And uh, my property is on a hill and it overlooks a beautiful valley. Uh, There's rolling green hills and there's forest on the other side. And um, there's mist in in the bottom of the valley. And in twinkling the distance, I can see on the far hill, and that's the town of Duras. And I can see the the silhouette of of a 13th century chateau. You were born in New Zealand and lived in Australia before moving to Morocco. How many years ago? Um, we moved in, uh, to Morocco in 2011, full-time from Australia, uh, although we bought our house in Morocco in, in 2006. So there was, a, there was a bit of uh, time in between where we did renovations and made it actually livable mm. and actually also decided to, to uh, give up our very enjoyable and well-paying jobs <laughs> and make the move. And you bought your first property in France around the same time in 2007, is it? didn't you? What, what is your personal connection yeah. to France and why did you want to have property there? Um, I didn't have a great deal of connection to France apart from um, not a terribly good French student in high school, mm-hmm. uh, although I was fascinated by the culture and uh, I had, a, I had a, lovely, uh, a lovely French teacher who, who inspired me uh, to to think that things French were were sophisticated and desirable, <laughs> and uh, the uh, you know the, the the architecture and the art and the uh, the food and the history of it really fascinated me. And also, I, a lot of Australian artists have been inspired by France, and I can see why. You know the quality of the light and the and the, um, the ancient buildings and you, you, there's so much there's so much to discover here. So um, I, I thought it would be a wonderful place to to have a, a foothold. Mm, I can imagine. And why did you choose Bordeaux specifically? I chose Bordeaux initially. Uh, firstly, I couldn't afford Paris, uh, but also I uh, I looked at Paris and decided it was a bit 
overwhelming. It was it was huge, and there was a lot of traffic. And when I compared it to Bordeaux, um, Bordeaux is like a kind of mini Paris in a way because it's historically the the centre of it um, is is um, from the nineteenth um, from the seventeenth, uh, eighteenth, and nineteenth centuries, and it's very much intact. And what they were doing about the time that I bought was to make the entire centre of the city pedestrian only. And in fact, they shoot a lot of movies there because it's so intact. So it had a very charming sense of of going back in time. So like Paris, like the best bits of Paris, but without the traffic. And um, and, and it was friendlier and smaller. And, and how did you go about finding it? And can I also ask you how much you paid for your apartment back then? I found my apartment on the internet. I, um, when I'm looking for places, I research obsessively, like I'm sure a lot of people do. I got, I got to know the different areas and um, I saw this place uh, a few days before we flew over there and um, it had this absolutely stunning view over the, the Garonne River and also one of the gates of the, of the city, the ancient gates. And uh, it was one, it was the only place I saw that had a, an actual terrace that you could walk outside onto and, and with a, put a table and chairs there. So we flew over and um, it was the first place that we saw and it's the only place I've ever walked into and said, I'll have this, thanks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, within 10 minutes we'd, we'd agreed to buy it. Wow. And uh, we paid we paid um, €175,000, which is about two, which is 270000 Australian dollars at the mm. time. And it's now worth about uh, 500,000 euros. Great so investment. It's about 800,000. Yeah. Oh, oh my was, gosh. Wow. Yeah, it is a good spot. Wow. And what was the process like? It was obviously your first time buying in France. Was it easy? It was actually very tricky and much harder than, than buying <laughs> in Australia. Uh, I did need a mortgage, although um, they I needed to put down 60% in cash, which I hadn't actually realised, so that was oh. a bit of a, oh. a, a, a shock. But uh, I managed to, to, to get that together. And then when getting the mortgage actually was a lengthy, lengthy and uh, – arduous process um, and not helped by the fact that it was the middle of summer and, um, well, it was around August, uh, July and August when people go on holidays. So, you know, trying to actually find people and chase up things. And it took more than two months to actually for the deal to actually go through for the whole for the whole property to be settled. Whereas in Australia, I'd bought a number of properties before and it's a very quick process and people are on the ball and it takes usually about a month. So it was a, it was my first introduction to uh to French bureaucracy, so that was that was an eye open. <laughs> and you you rent it out, is that correct? Do you run it as an Airbnb, or do you rent have a permanent rental? No, I've uh, rented it out as a short term rental since uh, for holiday rentals since uh, since I uh, bought it, and um, it's been very very successful. Uh, initially, it was one of the few short term rentals in the city, and then the number went up, and um, now they've put pretty tight restrictions on so it's the number number of rentals available holiday rentals has dropped back so I rented on a number of platforms I, I run it through a, a channel manager and I, I run it through about um, 12 or, or 14 
different um, platforms, including including Airbnb, among and and my own website. Mm. And who who were your guests generally? They before the pandemic, uh, we had. We had quite a few Australians, actually, Americans, uh, English uh, people, mainly English-speaking people. Uh, I think that they related to me and um, and my website. But since the last summer, it changed around completely because the French couldn't travel easily to other mm. countries. So they started travelling. As soon as the lockdown was lifted, they started going places. And so we had uh, entirely French guests and uh, that actually, that went very well. They, they were, you know, they're very, um, French guests are very courteous and they mm. also leave the place very clean. I'm not saying that Australians <laughs> don't, but they, uh, you know, like they're, they're actually very good guests to have. Oh, that's great. And how do you manage, I mean, you live most of the time in, in Fez in Morocco still. How do you manage the property from there? I've got a wonderful property manager and um, she has been my right-hand person. In fact, I've got I I own the property, the apartment in Bordeaux, but I also manage uh, a number of other properties in, in Bordeaux and in the region around. And um, uh, my my property manager has just been fantastic. She's uh, she's an English woman, but she's lived in France for many years and speaks fantastic French. And she's a real she's very practical. So if anything, you know, if there are any maintenance issues or we have any trouble with, with uh, well anything really, the, the building syndicate or the a sort of roof leak or whatever, she's really onto it very quickly. And so she's been absolutely indispensable. Mm. So let's talk about your latest property. You've moved uh, from the city into the countryside now. It looks absolutely stunning in the photos, but it's very different from your city apartment. Why did you decide to move into the countryside this time and why this particular region? I've I've had a yearning to move back to the countryside ever since I used to live near near Byron Bay in northern New South Wales um, in the 1980s and early 90s. I lived on a on a country property and um, I loved it. I loved the pace of life. I loved going out and feeding the chickens. I loved having a garden. And um, I was really, after years in Fez, uh, I, like Fez is an absolutely fascinating city and I adore it, but you're really in the middle of a very intensely built up area, even though I've got a garden, you know, walking out your door and, and uh, seeing, seeing people and donkeys and cats and so on. It's always stimulating, but I was longing for a bit of space and uh, and also I've got I've got children now, so I wanted them to have room to run around and and. Uh, grow up you know in a kind of in a more free mm. way and a freer way so um this was that was part of it and having the balance too between having a country property and, and, a, and a, an apartment in the city appealed to me as well mm. and and what about i don't know very much about this region in france what is it like and why did you choose to buy in this region my property is on the border. So it's, it's just in Lot Garonne, but it's also on the on the border of uh, the Dordogne and the Gironde. And this is a very um, it's a very agricultural region. It's slightly less touristic than the Dordogne and the Gironde. But and there's there's uh, although there are grapes. Um, in fact, we, I can see some in the distance. Um, it's not the property's not surrounded by grapes. Um, there's the, the hills are more rolling and it's more um, it, it's it's got a kind of a 
it's a it's a it's a it's a bit away from from the sort of tourist hubbub where uh, places like Saint Emilion. It's yet it's only just over an hour from Bordeaux. Mm. So I guess I want I wanted to live somewhere that had a sense of community as well and had French people. There's there's quite a lot of English as well, but that it had a mix of pe- different people and it wasn't just. There's an awful lot of homes here that are owned by foreign property owners and they go away and leave them for most of the year. And so you've got a kind of a hollowing out of uh, of different uh, you know, villages and, and um, uh, the countryside. So mm. I really wanted to live in a place where, where real people lived mm. all of the time. And that's that's definitely this area. A community. What what about the house? So it's it's a multiple dwelling property, isn't it? You've got different houses on the property. Can you tell us about the house and and what tell us about the process of looking for it and buying it and what sort of state it was in when you bought it? Uh, the property is one of those ones that has evolved over time, which I find I, I love the fact that it's it's got a lot of history. Um, the the original cottage was was built in uh, 1706, and then you can see when you're looking at it, you can see that they've you know, made a bit of money and they've added on a barn, and then they've added on at some stage in the 19th century, the family got some money and they've built a, um, a, a more sort of bourgeois dwelling with a couple of stories and an, an extra barn. And um, so, and the, the original cottage has also been extended out the back. And then the barn on the on the left-hand side has been converted into a, a one-bedroom sheet or a holiday house. So it's had this kind of um, organic uh, mm. evolution over time. Unfortunately, the um, building records were destroyed uh, in during the revolution, the French Revolution. Um, mm. They were kept in the um, in the in the Duras Chateau, which is up on the hill, and mm. was uh, was built and um, owned by the Dukes of Duras. So, I can't tell you a lot about who the individual owners were, but it has been, um, it's been renovated. I've just actually done another renovation. Mm. I came here, I came back from Australia in um, in April and I was here for the property settlement in early May and then I got stuck mm-hmm. because I had intended to go back to Morocco, but mm. then I had time on my hands because I got stuck in France, the Moroccan border shut. Mm. So I thought, oh, look, I may as well just renovate the Gigs. So I... Um, pretty uh, I, I went through and, and made them a bit more um, contemporary they were they were they were very lovely and uh, comfortable but they were a bit sort of dare I say it a bit sort of hippie looking they were sort of 1980s you know lots of colors and mm. Indian fabrics and and I went through and just made it you know bought, bought stuff that was a, a, a bit more a bit more neutral mm. um, with using and also using the color the sort of teal uh, bluey green colour that is characteristic. The shutters of the property, the, the property's all stone, made out of stone and it's got these lovely greeny blue shutters. Uh, so I, I use that colour as a kind of theme through, throughout my, my renovations. Mm. Did you have to do much structurally to it? No, it was in pretty good nick, So, which was part of the reason I bought it. When I started looking at properties, I, I was looking at ones that needed a lot more renovation. But really, my appetite for structural renovation has been blunted a little bit <laughs> since I uh, had this huge, huge project in Fez. And yes, I realised, you know, that, that the problem is it's, it's sort of open-ended, and particularly in France, because... 
um, tradespeople here are very well. They have Western, you know, Western wages. You know, in Morocco, of course, you're you're paying a skilled a skilled craftsman a lot less than you would be in a Western country. So you can afford to employ more people. Mm. Whereas here, um, I really wanted to buy something that was that was a known quantity that you know mm. I wasn't going to have to you know spend my life savings renovating. Mm. And um, may I ask you how much you paid for it? This property was was a lot more than my last property. Um, <laughs> it's uh, with the, with the fees and so on. It came to about half a million euros. Ooh, so it's the, the, about eight hundred thousand Australian. Mm. So while we're talking money, are there any financial or any other restrictions on foreigners owning property in France? I mean, you talked about getting a mortgage. Can anybody from any country just get a mortgage? So they've, they've stopped uh, foreign owners getting mortgages now, unfortunately. Mm. So you would need to be a cash buyer. Um, they, yeah, they, they, you have to be a resident in France in order to qualify for a, for a, a mortgage. Mm. Um, so there's no restrictions on ownership, but ownership doesn't necessarily give you the rights to reside in France. So you'd have to have a separate income. You know, I, if you came in as a retiree, you'd need to have a, a separate source of income, or if you came in as a business person, then you'd have to do a, a, a business creation project. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not. Uh, I'm in the process of actually uh, applying for a long stay visa. So, I'm. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll be able to tell you more at the end of that. But <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, yeah. Anyway, it's it's uh, it's obviously a. I, I've got. I, th- I think it'll be fine, but mm. it's it is quite a process. Mm. You sound very patient. I have to say, I don't know that I wouldn't have given up. Probably at the very probably back in Feds, I think, um, with renovating then. <laughs> so you, yeah, you're pretty good. What about income from the property in regard to tax? Do you pay tax in Australia if you're yes. and and not no, I pay tax and you pay tax in France on the on the income that you earn. So, okay. um, my property is in France. I, I pay tax to the French government. Okay, all right. So, say Susanna, I've decided I'm going to buy a beautiful property in France, like you. Are there any regions mm-hmm. that are either particularly popular that I should stay away from? Obviously, I'm not going to be buying anything in Champagne. Or are there places that are cheaper that you think are flying under the radar still that could still offer, you know, a relative bargain if, if you wanted to invest? The, the regions in France are also different. I really think it depends on your, on your personality and what you'd like, you know, whether you want to be near the coast or whether you want to be near the mountains. Or I still think, I, I think there are still bargains to be had. Um, the, the British seem to be selling a lot of properties at the moment. Well, things are moving faster than they were because the French are moving out of cities because of the pandemic. And, and also um, France is getting a lot of fibre optic Wi-Fi so people are able to walk remotely. So the property market's moving at the moment. Um, look, there are regions I, I particularly I obviously like this one. Um, the Dordogne next door is popular with the British and um, there are many, you know, there are many more British owners up there. Um, the Charente is nice. Uh, Southwest France is um, tends to be fairly hot in the summer and cold in the winter. But the thing I like about it is I can drive to the coast in, in an hour. I can drive. I'm, I'm situated right in the in uh, near, close to sort of 
20, 20 minutes of a, of a train line so I can get into Bordeaux in an hour. Um, plus, you know, it's right in the centre. I can go to Toulouse. I can go to um, Paris in, in a couple of hours. So I, I obviously like this region. But there are many other regions with the, with the fast train lines and the, um, the uh, you know, as I was saying, the Wi-Fi. I think there are quite a lot of areas in France that are undervalued. More in the centre, you, you'll find properties cheaper uh, more in the centre of France, obviously, than on the coasts or or uh, towards Paris. You know, there are some amazing, the Charente, I think, is a, is, a, is an area. There's a lot of British buy-up there. So uh, that that's another beautiful area. Are there, are there any areas to stay away from? Is Provence, did Peter Mayles spoil Provence for us all? Provence is pretty expensive, uh, and uh, yeah, look, it's it's really um, you know it, it it's very much an individual. It depends on your budget. It depends what you're looking for. Um, that area is still is still beautiful, of course. It's quite a lot drier though over that side of France. I mean, the the um, the landscapes there's more there's more conifers, there's more rocks, there's more sand well it's you know the beaches it's closer to the beaches mm. um there's also of course fields of sunflowers and so on but it's um this this side southwest france is is more lush and green um the in terms of um in terms of price yes well anywhere near nice or or um uh that whole Cote d'Azur region is is going to be it's going to be more expensive Obviously, it's uh, it's pretty hard for you to give us a price because it depends on what you're looking for. But say, for example, I was looking for a modest country cottage in a you know in an area like you're in at the moment. What could I expect to pay? I think. Look, I think if you wanted something with a little bit of land, I, I would say if if you say had 125,000 euros, you could probably find a you know one or two bedroom cottage uh, somewhere. Maybe on the edge of a village. Um, I mean, there are cheaper places, and there are places that need more renovation. But if you just wanted to be able to walk into something that was pretty, pretty good, reasonable condition and in a good spot, yeah, I, re- I reckon if you had about one hundred and twenty-five thousand euros, and um, what's that about one hundred and forty thousand American, maybe? Mm. I, I think you'd, you'd you'd find that you had a bit of you, you had some choice. Susanna, tell us about, so you do holiday rentals. Is that just of your property there or is does it include your Bordeaux property or other people's properties as well? So you've started this company, Chameleon Blue, just recently, I believe. Camille, yes, Chameleon Bleu is actually the name of my Moroccan company, and um, I'm going to bring it over to France. Um, it's it's uh, the... Uh, uh, website is is boutiqueholidayrentals.com and uh, that site's under construction it will be operational in, in two or three weeks um, but the um, I'm renting now I've actually just got my 16th property yesterday someone oh asked gosh. me to rent a, to manage a property in Florence in Italy so I'm I'm uh, getting and I got another property last week down near Agen so I've People started to ask me, once I had my Bordeaux property functioning well, people started to ask me to manage their properties and um, I discovered that I really enjoy it. I, I enjoy dealing with with the guests. I uh, enjoy giving them all the information. I've got, being a being a photographer and, and former journalist, I've got to, a wealth of um, information and I, I've, I've managed to acquire um, quite a lot of 
not only tourist information, but person, I'm able to personalise it. And, and uh, so if people ask me questions, I send them a lot of information. And um, I found, so that I, I started doing that a year or two after I bought the property um, in Bordeaux in 2007. So I've been doing it for a long time. And uh, I've, I've got now a network of property managers, uh, not just the one I have in Bordeaux, but also others. And uh, I travel a lot myself. So I have a, I guess I, I've developed a bit of a feel for, for what I would like in a property, you know, like mm. you come in and you want naturally want somewhere comfortable, a wife to be, be, be reliable and you've got to have, um, everything's got to be immaculately clean and you've got, and you want things, you know, I, I love, I love properties that, are architecturally interesting and individual, but at the same time, they've got to, everything's got to work well. Yeah. Like, you know, having a, a reasonably modern kitchen and bathroom, I think, are, are pretty essential. So those are the kinds of properties that are in my, my uh, management portfolio. Mm. And yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep going. I, I'm going to um, get uh, world domination on board and Helping. <laughs> it's, it's actually it's a joy I must say to go around and see people's beautiful houses and to be, have the chance to photograph them and talk to the owners and mm. and also to present to present them in a way that uh, appeal hopefully hopefully will appeal to to guests. Mm. Well, you're pretty much an expert in the foreign property market these days, Susanna. Can you tell us what you've learned about buying property in France in particular? If you're going to pass on a key piece of advice. Patience, which is what you were saying earlier. <laughs> um, really, keep keep your be prepared that it's going to be uh, trickier, and people are going to be coming back to you for obscure pieces of paper, and you know the process is going to be much more involved than you than you ever envisaged. And also um, to be wary, I guess, like with any property, um, particularly old properties, because uh, there can be an awful lot of such you know there can be a wealth of issues hidden under. What looks like a, a nice renovation, and uh, you know, yet you dig a little bit deeper, and you can see that there are some some serious structural issues. So I would get a a separate uh, inspection. Uh, you know, obviously get a builder and and get, and really really check it out as much as you can. Sometimes that's tricky because um, you might be it might be in a fast moving property market. So you need to make your offer conditional on on you know, termites, or, you know, of course, termites and so on. You do get a dossier which has information about the property, but it's not necessarily as, as deep as you would as you would need. So I would just say go go in with your with your eyes really open. Don't don't fall in love with it to the point where you're prepared to overlook any faults because you could find yourself with a real with a with ongoing issues. So yeah, so 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 you can um, you know, look. You can look in a way that you, yes, you can be infatuated, but you need to be you need sensible. to really, really uh, dig deep to to make sure that that it's uh, what you you getting what you pay for. I think I'll have to get you on my side when I buy my property because I'm absolutely positive that I'll just fall in love and and buy it straight away and end up with a lemon. So <laughs> it's good to know you're <laughs> out there with your expertise. Are we going to see a house in Dordogne from you in the future? A book. A house, house and daughter own book from you in the future? Look, quite, quite possibly. I mean, at the moment, I'm actually going to, I'm going to run a blog in conjunction with my website because there's so many beautiful areas and, mm. and I, I want suggestions about, about things people can do. 
and also perhaps run a few workshops here in my on my farm. So I'm going to be doing some writing for my blog. Uh, we, we've actually got a, another blog, the View from Fez, which uh, mm. but I'm going to bring over start one here in connection with my new Chameleon Blue website. So um, I'll be doing that initially. And who knows? I mean, it might change to something, you know, a few, uh, give, it, give it a few years and I might have enough interesting material to, to actually make it into another book. Yeah. You, well, listeners, you better buy now before it becomes really famous after the area becomes really famous after Susanna's published her book, House in Dordogne. So get on to it. <laughs> Listen, as it will also, Susanna's website for her business, Chameleon Blue Boutique Holiday Rentals, will be live soon in the next few weeks, Susanna said, and we'll post a link to it on the Extra Virgin website when it is, just in case you're planning a trip to France or looking for somewhere to stay. Susanna, it's been so inspiring chatting with you. I am very jealous of you right now. I hope the move, uh, you're moving to, you're moving to France permanently sometime, is that right? Yes, um, look, I'm in the process. So, look, really, whether I can do that depends on the French government, but I'm pretty hopeful. Mm. And uh, so I imagine that we'll be based here from next year, but we'll still keep our properties in, in Morocco and uh, be backwards and forwards. It's only two hours flying time, so mm. that makes it that makes it easier. And mm. please do come and visit, oh, Natasha. Look, I certainly will. I hope the move does go well. I hope everything, you know, you get all the your, your long visa and the move goes well and the children... Um, settle in well and I look forward to living vicariously through you um, via the website when you start the blog. So thank you again very much Susanna, it's been fantastic really enjoyed having you on Pleasure to talk to you, thanks Asha And so listeners, that's it for episode 79 of Extra Virgin If you liked this episode, please share with your friends and you can even buy me a virtual coffee to help support Extra Virgin. Just go to the Extra Virgin website, www.extravirginfoodandtravel.com. Until the next episode, bon voyage and bon appétit. You've been listening to Extra Virgin, a podcast for the Epicurious. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can follow Extra Virgin Food and Travel on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. If you haven't already, go to Apple, Spotify or Google Podcasts and subscribe, rate and leave a review.